Hey, welcome back, everybody, and come on inside, won't you, man? I know everybody usually gets their regular seats for another episode of the Musician's Cafe. We're so glad that you took time to be with us once again. My name is Brian Dick, and I'm here with my co-host, a man who has been known to attend a few movie theaters in his time, and uh, as long as they have Adam Sandler included, Mr. Chris Happy Gilmore Gray. How are you feeling, Chris? I'm great, and actually, I'm at my favorite uh, movie theater here in Winchester. We're at the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, man, this is cool, right? And uh, it might be the biggest space that we've recorded in. Um, <laughs> I've drank some beers at this bar. Yeah, I've watched some movies go. at this place, but now we're here uh, on the job, aren't we? We sure are, man, and I'm so excited. Tonight, we have one of the guests I've been looking for. I always look forward to all of our guests, but Steve and I have known each other for a while. Steve Naran just joins us tonight. He's a producer, a director. Uh, an everything guy when it comes to making film because you've done it all. I know that. Uh, you've been around music your whole life. You're a Winchester native and, yeah. and my goodness. Steve, thanks for being here, pal. Man, thanks so much for having me. This Absolutely, is great. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. We are looking forward to it. Well, well, I like yeah. that intro music too, man. That's cool. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That was Chris's Bri- doing. He picked yeah, that yeah, up. Brian played it himself. We just kind of <laughs> recorded it in his basement. You know. No, not hardly. Not Mojo, hardly. Mother- Mojo Mothership said they record us. I, I'm waiting for I it. I know. Cool. we got to get a hold of Tim. They said they were going to do a theme show, a song for us. Oh, so right pretty on. cool. Yeah, yeah, right. That's great. Yeah, man. We always start at every show uh, with our menu and let everybody know what's going on around the Winchester area. So, folks, get your pad and paper out. Chris has got it in hand. So, Chris, give that thing a rip, buddy. Yeah, man. Tally Ho Theater, where we always start. Comedy night on Friday, which is the 19th, by the way. Yep. Uh, and 20th Saturday is Zoso, which, uh, if you're familiar, is le- uh, awesome. a, a very legendary Led Zeppelin tribute. Oh, I know. Have you Kill seen it. them? Yeah, they're, uh, they're amazing. I they're figured, amazing. Steve. I figured you've probably seen them. I'd like to see that show. Yeah, well, but they play all over the nation too. Um, they do. Yeah, yeah. They're playing here in Maryland a couple shows, but then they're headed out west to Washington, British Columbia, Vancouver. Wow. They're going all up in uh, there. I saw yeah. them in South Carolina, so Did I wasn't really? anywhere close to here. Oh, yeah. nice. They're, they're great. Nice. Hollywood Casino on Saturday has Thunderstruck, which mm-hmm. is obviously an ACDC yeah, tribute man. band. Yeah. Um, just one night. One night of that, not yeah, yeah, four yeah, just, or five. Just like Saturday night, yep, sure is. When's Skid Row coming, man? They, they got a uh, gig out there. I it's know. Be awesome. Have you heard the new singer they have oh for them? Oh, my God, it's amazing. Yes. I saw him at M3 last year, man. <laughs> that guy really? blew the roof off he, that place. Yes, he's everybody, killing Everybody, before the set, everybody's like, oh, it's not Skid Row without Sebastian. Then after the, like, Sebastian who? Yeah, that was exactly. ridiculous. It was true, it was and I best. do want to see them, yeah. So good. Yep. We're going to move a little bit closer here to town. Bear Chase Brewery, just over the, uh, what's actually on the mountain. Uh, on the 19th, Mark Dunn. On the 20th, Pete Lapp, Lefty Luke, and Justin Swade. Yeah, man. And on the 21st, Brad Doggett. Box Office Brewery down in Strasburg. We're a little bit closer to Strasburg yeah, today, man. aren't we? Yeah, we are. The 19th is the Wichita Falls Band. I've seen a couple videos from them. They're very good. Yeah. Pretty tight. Yep. Uh, on the 20th has the Grindstone Band. And, and you guys know that Box Office is, is booked up. I mean, yeah. they... they don't have openings until 2024. Wow. Um, no. And so, you know, the, the, the people play there are, are very good. Of course, we've had several on the podcast. Yeah, Robbie yeah. Lyman, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Jewell, a couple of them. Yep. Troubadour Lounge and Park, Berkeley Springs. Uh, of course, we bring this up because they've been our guests before. Oh, yeah. On the 20th, Joy Rides up there. Uh, I saw they had uh, a band called Damn Band this weekend, D-A-M Band. Yeah. And, you know, you guys know that stage inside is pretty small. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Uh, <laughs> They rock that place. That's the greatest place. They're not, they're not, little, cool. they're little not shy places. about it. Yeah. Piccadilly Public House, downtown Winchester, of course. On the 19th, Mr. Brian Stutzman. Good to see him back on this yeah. uh, menu. Yeah. And on the 20th, our buddy Jimmy Lee. Jimmy just played for Mother's Day out at West Oaks. He did. I heard yeah. there was an incredible crowd out there. Is so. that right? Good. Oh, yeah. I'm glad he deserves it. Yep. The Monument on the 19th. Um, this is pretty cool. East Ghost, which is an evening uh, with friends. Curfew is going to be there. If you guys didn't see the videos in the show from um, uh, Apple Blossom, it's insane. Uh, right. They had inside fireworks. Like what? It, it was, yeah, it was, a, and he's a DJ. Mm. Um, and so I, I've brought this up before that I feel like Winchester doesn't really have a club feel right. around True, here at right. all. And, and the monuments introduced that a little bit. Um, they're doing some really cool things over there, so so keep going. Anyway, it's a great room, man. I it just went is, to see right? Monolith there. hadn't played in like a decade. Those guys killed it. Yes, and it was yes. There, like 300, 400 people showed up, man. Monolith. It was great. Yes, exactly. I forgot that they were there. You're right. I think yeah. their I think their cap is like four hundred people. Yeah, they were they were pretty close to it, man. Wow, and Dixie Filth open too. Those guys are great. Yeah, we've yeah, heard good killer. things about them. Yep. So to ta- to top off that evening with friends, you got curfew. Frank White summons uh, Fergazer. And Thrill Shop 
so it sounds like maybe some DJs. Yeah. A group of DJs. So, Did you say um, Fergazer? Fern, Ferngazer. Ferngazer. I All think right. it's Ferngazer. I missed the end. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. missed the end. <laughs> that's okay. I can't read. No, that's cool, man. It's like that That sounds like a, it's going to be an experience. It is. <laughs> they, they have a competition dinner, I think, Steve. I don't know if you've ever seen it now, but it literally they, they have a competition to see if you can get the lowest tone, like the most bass. Is that right? Yeah. Remember yeah, that, Chris? Yeah. I can't even imagine. Like you could, you could shake things loose in a building with yeah. that. You know what I mean? Especially I don't know how... one that's that old. Yeah, yeah. I think they... you went out of the three of us, man. I think you got it. You got that competition won. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I mean, yeah. I can imagine how. You know, that must have been crazy to be in there to hear that. Because man, wow, cool. Backseat Event Center. We've been talking about this for months, and it's finally coming up. The 49 Winchester Show for the Katie's Comfort House Country Music Festival. Yes. That is this Friday. And they are officially on a low ticket warning. So, um, do we know what the capacity is over there? They haven't announced it. I don't know. A lot. It's huge. Yeah, a yeah lot. it's a big well, place. Well, they're almost at it. Okay. Uh, wow. And so, make sure you get your tickets now. Uh, if you want your shot at a set of four free tickets, I just saw on the way over here that um, Low Water Bridge Band, who is the the um, one of the opening bands for Forty Nine Winchester. Uh, on their Facebook page is giving away four, so nice. uh, go uh, do what they tell you to do, and then you know you have to pick between zero and ten thousand. But hey, you might get it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You might be. Uh, Paladin. This is in Stevens City, very close to us. On the nineteenth, Dylan Wolfel is going to be there. Yep. Uh, good to see Dylan out doing good stuff. And on the twentieth, Sold Out is going to be there. Uh, Sold Out just had a very successful Apple Blossom weekend uh, with the seventies dance. Yeah. Uh, they they brought a crowd to uh, to backseat actually. P2 in Clearbrook on the 19th, Dan Barry. And on the 20th is Blackjack Duo, Mel and Jimmy. Mel and Jimmy. West Oaks Farm Market. Uh, they did start West uh, uh, Friday night West Oaks um, last week. It looks like Adam's back again for yeah. the 18th. So that's, that's right. I did see that. Yep. Thursday. I think they have Cornhole Thursdays. Right. So for Cornhole, uh, Adam Phelps will be there, Six Strings and Bourbon. Uh, and then Friday night is All Grassed Up. And they're going to be there one, one to four. And actually, I believe Chris Hunt Jr. is playing before All Grassed Up. Oh, is that right? Okay, good, good. Okay. Um, yeah, the 19th is Friday. Uh, and then Jeff Foose will be playing Saturday. And Boo Snyder is playing Sunday out at West Oaks. So they have a full menu. Yeah, let everybody know to check the Facebook page for West Oaks because that's announced as an afternoon show on Friday. And I didn't gotcha. research that, but it definitely shows it as a... As a after do which they I'll th- check it out before the end of the show. I think I'll let they're you guys back to know. the Friday night ones now, I think so. Yes, sir. On cue, this is down in Front Royal on the twentieth is another fine mess. Yes, they reached out to us. I told them make sure we get the word out about them. Yeah. And on cue actually just did a uh, a move to a new place. Yep. They have nine full size diamond pool tables, brand new look great. They kind of make me drool a little bit, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, and then they got a new stage, so that's a big thing. Yes. Tell us what Polly Coconuts had coming uh, our man, way there, Brian. Polly always reaches out to me, man. He's my he's my man. I love that guy. They've got the Mission Road Band, and they are wound up and busy. They're going to be uh, at Mountaineer Meat Smokers on Saturday. That's a semi-acoustic uh, um, group that's going to play from 12 to 3. And then the full band moves over to Spanky Shenanigans in Leesburg. And you've probably been there, Steve, I'll bet you. Sure. Um, and they got a full show there on from 7-11 on Saturday night. So, man, Polly, you're going to be wore out on Sunday, brother. I'm going to tell you. So uh, that should be a lot of fun, but definitely go check out and support the Mission Road Band. And it is confirmed, Brian. Friday night, West Oaks is still a go. Five to seven is uh, Chris Hunt Jr. All right, and good, then all good. grassed up after that. I right, gotcha. Good. I screwed that up, so I'm glad you straightened me out there. I appreciate that. All right, cool. Got through that. Uh, before we get to Steve real quick, I kind of dropped out on this past couple of weeks. We've had such a busy time around the, the podcast here, but I was doing the trivia question of the show. We always give that trivia question when uh, the guests start and then at the end of the show we give you the answer this is pretty good pretty tough too um, but everybody think about this and I'll give you the answer later on but the uh, question tonight is the only recording artist in history to have a number one album in six consecutive decade pretty tough question Steve right but once again the only recording artist in history to have a number one album in six consecutive decades man um Think about that, everybody. <laughs> we'll get to the answer later on. All right, man. Well, Chris, thanks for doing the menu. I appreciate that very much. Folks, once again, we got Steve Narangis with us, man. And I am so excited about this, Steve. You have forgotten more about music than I'll ever know. That's ridiculous. And, I, and I'm aware of that. But, uh, but you're, you're a busy guy, man. You, you've, been, uh, you've been putting together documentaries and film, short feature films. Uh, you're a producer. You're a director. You're, you know, you, everything. You, you actually even put the musical scores to them, I believe. 
So tell me a little about what's going on with you right now. So yeah, you know, the Hammerjacks film just uh, wrapped recently and it's, uh, it's been doing great for us. The um, sales have been really good and really good response out of people, that, especially people that were there. But the thing that I've been really happy with is that people that were too young to go and people that never right. made it right. are, are saying, hey, I feel like I've been there now. Right. I've been hearing stories about it for all these years and now they're actually putting, you know, the faces with the names and they're taught seeing bands on stage and all that kind of stuff so it's been really cool to hear from younger people that feel like they missed out which right. they totally did they did you yep. know sorry chris you did too. yeah sorry about that man <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's been going really well the vinyl soundtrack just came out and that's uh almost completely sold out so that's that's exciting nice but yeah man it was the the way these things work it's uh, we were working on that for six years so wow. so now that it's out it's a it's a relief as well and it had some good screenings and it was a lot of fun we celebrated and on to the next thing right so I can it's imagine uh, so we just got done uh filming a movie with shenandoah university over the past two weeks but just wrapped over the weekend oh nice okay with a bunch of people you'd know mary lou henner from taxis oh and, yeah, yeah i heard about that yeah yeah so so um you know that's a romantic comedy which is a totally different thing for me because it's all been music docs uh up until this point so gotcha. it's a new experience for me totally different you know, really? actors and yeah. a script and stuff. It's not something I'm used to, but um, been working on documentaries for several years now, and it's a it's a it's a cool thing to to be around, man. So for me, I get to meet a lot of my heroes too, right. which has been a lot of right. fun. I right. grew up as a huge Kicks fan. I've got to spend spend some significant time with those guys working on these films, so it's great. That is very cool, and we'll talk more about Kicks because they've got their their final tour this year so that's very important for a lot of different reasons i definitely want to touch on that with you yeah. you know steve I, I know you're you're a university of maryland grad yeah um i think your movie making uh sort of uh roots began shortly before you went to college if i understand that right right well actually so i wanted to be a filmmaker when i was a kid so really? i'd run okay. around with yeah. a film camera and film things, make little movies and edit them you know splice things with a razor the whole bit that's cool and so i did that and when I went to school, I thought I wanted to go into film, but Maryland canceled the film program while I was there. So I just, uh, I already had an internship with the radio station, which was WHFS. Yeah. And I worked with them for three years and then went on to work for a record label and a record distributor. So I stayed around entertainment, but there was no outlet for, to learn how to make film, really learn how to make film when I was in college. So I didn't get back around to it until we opened the Alamo and I started meeting some filmmakers locally. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Can we Very just take cool. a half step back? You sure. Said, yeah. You said splice film with a razor. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that to somebody who grew up in a digital age. Sure, man. Yeah. No, it's changed. And it's, it was interesting to see that change. And when I was working in radio, it went from, you know, legit things on tape and pulling vinyl for DJs yeah. to things all being digital. But you would, you would film something. And you'd have to send your film off to get developed. And it would take a couple of weeks. And it would come back. And you'd hold it up to the light and see where you want to make a splice. And you'd literally cut the film, cut out the scenes you don't want, tape it back together. So that's how, that's how you used to edit make film. Make it as seamless as possible. As, as, yeah. Do you, it's, think you know, it's, it's not easy to do. Especially right. if there's only, this is not like making a feature film where you have different prints to work from. Sure. That was it. So if you messed it up, man, that was yeah. it. You don't, you don't get another crack at it. I you know? gotcha. Do you think it was part of that process made you fall in love with filmmaking? Or was, think, it, was the I process so. just a burden to you? I think so. No, I, I love that part of it. I always love that part of it. And it's, it also makes me really appreciate editing now where you can save a version of what you're doing and try different things and play around with it and try things different ways without really having to commit. But having grown up where you did have to commit, it makes you really think about your decisions yeah, gotcha. when you're going into a film. But it's, uh, but it also is, it's nice to have the ability to look at it. Let's look at it three different ways, you know? Right. right. Let's look at this interview here, or let's look at it there. Let's try this music here. Let's try this music, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a, there's a lot more flexibility than there used to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. That's actually good. Yeah. You know, uh, stay back in your beginnings a little bit. You know, actually, your brother and I graduated together. Yeah. Nick had the first Les Paul I ever saw in my That's life. That's awesome. Which I remember he's to this day. That, Does he's he still, really he's have still that? still got that guitar, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful guitar. I believe yeah. it was like a gold-top guitar. Yeah, that's it. It was beautiful, That's man. it. I remember that. But uh, 
so you know when did your white marshall stacks and yes, stuff yes, yes yes man oh my gosh yes. you remember better than i do that's for sure when did your thirst for you know metal music start do you remember that as a kid because i know you have a lot of that now yeah no it was absolutely from my brother was it i mean my sister and brother both were they were the people that had the records in the house right, right i was a right. kid and they were my sister was seven years older and my sure. brother was five years older so whatever they were listening to is what i had but the first real rock band that I started listening to was uh, Kiss. Oh, cool. For sure. Okay, gotcha. and, you know, yeah. But it was around, you know, I had, what, Hotter Than Hell and, you know, yeah. that stuff yeah. I had. I remember my grandma bought, bought me a live, too, for Christmas one time. Nice. Right. So that was what really got it started for me, and that's really not heavy. Right. But I went from there. I mean, my brother was a big ACDC fan, so gotcha. we, had, we had Dirty Deeds 8-track and the whole bit, you know. Right. So there was a lot of journey in the house, a lot of rush, a lot of sticks, you know. Uh, but for harder stuff, it really started there. And then from ACDC moved into, I remember when we had uh, Screaming for Vengeance on oh, vinyl yes. hit the house. Yeah. And it's like, that's game changer. <laughs> yeah, there, it was. It, but from it from was. that point, it was like, you know, into Dio and Maiden and all that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, similar to my story then, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, that, I think, you look, man, It was it since there wasn't digital music at that time, that's how you did stuff. You went to the record store, see what everybody else is buying, talk to people and trade records and that kind of thing. So it was a little more organic, but also really cool community kind of thing, right? To go to the record store and talk about what music was coming out. And they used to have the board with release dates, yes. man, and I'd wait around. The day that Power Slave came out from Maiden, there you I go. walked from my house, my parents' house, and to the mall, which was right? six miles, yes. man. I walked six <laughs> miles on release date because my mom was out running errands. I'm like, I can't wait. I got to get it. So walked six miles to get Power Slave, and then I had to figure out how to get home. I had to like oh, bottle wow. ride from the Dream Machine Arcade to wow. get back, man. But, uh, oh, mom wouldn't happy. Mom I'm, wasn't happy. I'm but sure. that Worth every second of it, man. Yep, I got yep. that aces high when I got in the car. I'm like, you know. Still listen to it to this day. Maidens on another level. Oh, they, I mean, they it's really ridiculous. are to me. But it's anyway. ridiculous. Out of that time, man, Priest and Maiden and Dio all at the same time. I mean, come on, Ozzy. Yep, I agree. Unbelievable. I agree. So you grew up in Stonebrook too? Yeah, I did. Hey, me too. Yeah, this is a small world. How yeah, about right, that, man. Yeah, a couple years later, but but we did. Yeah. So we're talking about and your the Abenis, man. Yes, right. The Abenis yes, were Abenis. Over there. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Old, they were old Andy Abeni. I used to hang out with yeah, him. Jay was Jay, in Rathchild. Jay man. was in Rathchild. Yeah. That's exactly right. Dang. Yeah. 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 Well, so you talked about your brother playing music. Did you ever play music? I did a little bit, man. I, you know, I played some guitar. I played long enough to figure out that I could never figure out how to solo, so I couldn't really add anything. I couldn't write a song. I could like, you know, I could play some rhythm guitar, but I was like, what's this, you know? Right. I was, you know, unless you're, unless you're with somebody that knows how to write music, it's just a waste of time. <laughs> no right. way. I'm going to do something else. So uh, that never really went far. Never got as good as my brother. You know, he's always been better than me at guitar, and I was, you know. Does Nick still that. play? He still plays. Does he really yeah, he plays out in Winchester some, man. Does he, he really? Gets, he I'd gets love around. to see him. Yeah. He'll play over the George Washington snooze fest over there what? i'll make sure he listens to this <laughs> ah, that's funny <laughs> tell him to tune in oh my play gosh. some sort of christopher cross or something <laughs> nonsense <laughs> yeah that's right as long as he's playing that's all that matters right yeah. you play mood dance for you next go. time you see him <laughs> well that music must have had some sort of influence on you um you know you're talking about records yeah. i know that you kind of still hold on to records you like vinyls right uh, yeah you know what it's funny man it's i'm glad you mentioned that because i didn't I didn't keep any vinyl from back really? then. I mean, we we had some stuff that was lying around the house and just we didn't keep good care of it, whatever. But the um, man, I was I was like cassettes, and then I sold all my cassettes when CDs came out and all that kind of thing. So sure. I still have a bunch of CDs, but vinyl, I really wasn't. I wasn't one of those people that's like you got to have it on vinyl. I was like CDs sound really good, man. And right. It's easier to have and it's easier to store. But the thing is that just recently because we did a vinyl soundtrack for this Hammerjacks film. I got the test pressing. I'm like, I got to make sure it works. So I had to go buy a turntable, man. So, wow. I, so now I have a turntable. Now my son, who's 10, is starting to collect vinyl. So he took, he took money out of his piggy bank. No exaggeration. He literally opened his piggy bank and went and bought Sergeant Pepper's and Queen's Greatest Hits. You know, so I'm excited, man. I love it. I'm glad to see you're raising your child right, you know Dusty. It. You know it. Yeah, <laughs> There's man. something about it. We've talked about it on here before. And again, I, I know we're sort of old codgery right now to some people, but there's something about going out and buying that album mm -hmm. and being able to open it up and experience the pictures and the, the words and the music and that kind Lyrics, of thing. And yeah. then and then the pop and the crack of the actual album when it plays. I mean, there's, there's just something sort of nostalgic and, and cool about that. 
So I'm kind of glad that you're, I'll, you know. I'll tell you the that. biggest difference for me, honestly, is that I used to know when I was growing up, I knew every member of every band. I knew who produced the record. I knew where they recorded it. Wow. I knew the lyrics. None of that stuff anymore. I mean, even bands that are favorite bands of mine, I can't tell you who's in the band except one or two people sometimes. It's like I went to see Lamb of God. I love Lamb of God. Okay. Right? I've been yeah. listening to those guys for years, and I was going to see them with somebody. He's like, oh, what, what's the name of the whatever? I was like, I don't, I don't know. Right, and he's like, "It's your favorite band." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't. What it doesn't come up when it's on Apple Music doesn't come up with who, who's playing." You know yep. what I mean? Yep, I do. So it's a totally different the the relationship I think you had with artists at that time was different. And we used to, I'm sure you did the same thing. We get Circus Magazine and Hit Parade yes. Magazine and, and yes. wait for it to come in the mail and read every line. And like the first time I saw when I went to see Maiden at uh, Cap Center on Power Slave. Yes. My first I was, big rock I was show. There. You were there, which I was the sister opening, remember? Yes. So yes. I was at that show and it was I I didn't have MTV. We were living out in Stonebrook, man. They didn't have cable out there. Yeah. Right. So so I'm like, uh it was the first time I saw them actually moving. I had just seen pictures and posters and stuff. I'm like, Dave Murray's like a, an actual human being. <laughs> so it's not like that anymore, man. It's a, it's, no. a, it's a different experience. The relationship with the bands is different. In a lot of ways, it's good. You can, you can write to a band now, and they'll write back to you on Facebook or right, whatever. Right. I even sound old saying Facebook. Whatever the kids are doing, man, Instagram or yes. wherever yeah. it is now, man, it's like uh, you know you can actually communicate some with the, with the bands, which is in some ways really cool in right. some ways take some of the mystique out of it too wow I mean yeah, we could go on for that with that for hours because it's just there's so many good memories about that when you went on to college and then you started working for H- HFS yeah um, did you work with them as like an intern were you yeah. were you on air how was that working no, out no, for you I was you? an intern okay. I was an intern the first my first year I was doing a lot of promotions and going around doing events at like Cat Metal Records and all that kind of stuff oh yeah I remember that yeah. but then after that there was one DJ that I that I had a great time with named Nisi, who's actually in the Hammerjacks film. Okay, she got married at Hammerjacks. I went to the wedding at Hammerjacks. So, um, which, to my understanding, is the only marriage that ever happened there. So I went Surprising. to that, and it was and it was during the day. It's a great story too, man. She told me that she uh, Louis Principio, who yep. was the the founder of Hammerjacks, um, you know, wasn't wasn't completely sober through that time, <laughs> and so she, he found out she was getting married. He's like, "Oh, get married at the club." He's like great well this is when we're gonna do it he's like perfect man come on by and then she showed up that day we're all there wedding party and stuff right yeah. he's like what are you doing she's like you said i could get married here he's like what oh it's like well too late now everybody's here we're getting married That's oh. it. so uh yeah man so anyway i worked with her primarily overnights i'd do one one night a week i'd get there at, at midnight and work till six in the okay, morning okay gotcha and okay. pull records for and all that kind of stuff answer phones that kind gotcha. of thing and yeah. then that was a good exposure and then somewhere along the line you became connected to hammerjacks itself right or were you just going yeah. there no yeah you know so we would do hfs would do promotions at hammerjacks okay so we they used to do before the hf festival they would do what was called the uh, birthday bash and so uh, we'd go over there, and they'd have, like, five bands playing. We'd have an annual party at Hammerjack. So we'd do that. And then I started working for a label called Mammoth Records out of Carborough, North Carolina. Okay. And so they, when their artists would come through, I'd go out there and, and work those shows and stuff like that. So I was there. I was always there, almost always in, like, a working capacity, except for Public Image Limited and Big Audio Dynamite. I went out there and watched that, like, as a fan and had drinks and stuff. But otherwise, I was there, like working right you know right but even then steve did you not recognize that it was something special going on that, yeah. that you weren't going to be able to ever recreate do you, do you understand what i mean yeah and you know it's a it's a it's a strange thing to talk about because i think in a lot of ways we all didn't realize how special it was until it was gone yeah you know uh, yeah it was an incredible place but also at that time in the area the original 930 club was yeah. an amazing the Bayou kicking yeah, I ass that. all the great. time. Yep, yep. I mean, great rooms all over the place. Great live music. And so Hammerjacks was a, a little bit more special in terms of the size. Right. And it just had this feel to it, man. It was like it wasn't the people there. didn't. It wasn't like they were at a job. It was like they were all partying with you, you know? It was like yeah. that place was just and it. They really were. Yes. That's the thing. They were all young. They were all the same age as us. And just uh, and we were all doing stuff we shouldn't, you know. I mean, they were on the clock. We weren't. Everybody was doing right, the same thing. Right, right. You yeah, know. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. They just had special rooms to go to, uh. you know. <laughs> 
So let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Hammerjacks. Uh, you made a freaking documentary on it, so you yeah. must love the place. Yeah, love it. Yeah, for, for sure. For somebody who's um, never been to Hammerjacks, and for, maybe for somebody on the podcast who hasn't seen the documentary or hasn't been there, describe what it feels like to walk in that place. Is it inside? Is it outside? Uh, big bar, small bar, big stage. You know, there's somebody in the film actually said it better than I ever could. They said, you walk in there, and if you'd never been to a place like that, you'd seen videos of Motley Crue. Yes. And you thought, like, well, that's ridiculous. There's no way anything like that actually exists. And you walk in there, it's like, it does exist. Yes. And I'm standing in the middle of it, right? It was, it's, it was, if all those old videos you watch, like the mayhem and the, and the decadence of the 80s, right. was there. It was yep. happening there. And to back up a little bit, man, the reason, I, the reason I made the film was because we, I was working on a TV show. We got to interview the guys in Kicks, Right, right. And that, that was a great experience. And they're like, hey, we're getting ready to record a new record. you want to come film some of that? We're like, yeah. And that ended up turning into a feature documentary as well. And so during that, it's like, well, you can't make a movie about Kicks without talking about Hammerjacks because they were uh, basically owned that club. They played there something like 80 times. Right, right. And so they were the band that everybody looked up to. So got in touch with some people that had the Hammerjacks uh, brand at the time and said, this is what we're doing. They're like, yeah, come by and film and we're trying to reopen the club. So why don't you make a film about that too? So that's how that happened. Very cool. Yeah, I'm just looking at some pictures here from, I guess, back in the day, 80s. Is mm-hmm. what is, is, what, is yeah. that the heyday of the Hammerjacks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 80s for sure. But it was still it was still kicking a lot of ass in the early 90s, yes. too. Yes, yeah. yes, I agree. Yeah. And it's full. I mean, you're right. It's oh, to show all the time. It's wild, right? It was, I mean, to the point that, like, it wasn't safe. The, yes. So it, what would happen all the time is that the fire department would come by, fire marshal would come by, like, you got to shut it down, but everybody that was there a lot knew what that meant. Right. It's like the the amateurs got to go till it gets like under the level, and then they let, let it start right back yeah, up. You yeah, know, yeah. this is like ah, two hundred, you got to go, but you can't tell people two hundred, you got to go. It's like everybody leave, and then you know, the bartenders be like, stick around, man, it's cool, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was yeah, it was wild, man, and it was uh, yeah, not not anything like it since. Oh my, yeah, that's what I say. It always reminds me of lightning in a bottle. I mean, like you said the. The bartenders and waitresses, as great as they were, and they were great, but they were having as much fun as anybody oh, else partying. was. Truly were. Yeah. And it just made such a great atmosphere that you don't recreate, I don't think, because it's just, it's different time. Yeah. Different time. So. I mean, dude, you talk about rock and roll. I'm not going to tell you which person this was, but one of the people working there got caught doing something they weren't supposed to do in right. the club, right? Right. Something illegal. We'll right. just leave it at that. And they're like, well, you gotta, uh, you gotta be on. We're gonna have to suspend you for like two weeks. And like, you got me started on this. <laughs> yeah. But then that person went on the road with Steelheart for right. a couple of weeks and just came back. It's like, uh, oh, I'm suspended. Let me go, you wow. know, live on the road with some rock stars. I'll come right back. And, you and like your documentary says, it was you. Know, it was that place was so cool that the touring national bands that were around at the time, they would play at the Baltimore Arena. Yeah. And then after their show, I mean. They went to Hammerjacks. And, and I wasn't lucky enough to ever have this happen, but I know that there was, you know, it was often you could walk around there and there'd be, you know, I mean, Judas Priest has been there. Yep. You, you Pretty much anybody you can name at the time was there walking around enjoying themselves. Yeah. Bunch of pictures of Maiden in exactly. the club. Exactly, yes. In, in yeah. the film, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. Well, you know, and if for people that don't know this, Iron Maiden, of course, they weren't playing the club. They were playing the arenas, right? Right, They'd Sometimes right. coming to town a day early just to hang out at Hammerjacks, but they're, they love Hammerjacks so much. That there's a Hammerjack sign in the cover yes. of their Somewhere in Time album. Yeah, so on one, of their, one of their yep. biggest records, there's a Hammerjack sign in it. So, yeah. I mean, that's how much they love the club. Exactly. You know? exactly. They were just fans. They weren't, you know, they weren't like, hey, thanks for letting us come up there or something. It's like, whatever. They just love that spot. So when the process began of putting together this, what was your, like, how do you get that started? Do you, do you, do you look at going back and getting the staff together first? How did you start the process of putting this documentary together? So, two things. Okay. What, so, we were still working on the Kicks film. So, we just started asking everybody that was doing a, uh, an interview about Kicks. We're like, you remember Hammerjacks? You want to talk about Hammerjacks? Which is how, how Nuno's in this. Because sure. Nuno is yeah. a big, big Kicks fan. So, he agreed to be in the Kicks film. We're just like, hey, you remember anything about Hammerjacks? Like, yeah. We re- made a video there. The place was nuts. It's like, you know. So, that got the ball rolling. So by the time we were done with the kicks thing, we had a few hours worth of footage about Hammerjacks, right? Right. But the most important thing uh, 
was that there's a person named Anne Marie that w- worked at the club. Okay. And she's a co-executive producer on this film. And she started as just like, it was like a special thanks kind of thing, like helping with some interviews and stuff. Sure. But she just was so involved that it just kept moving up. It's like, well, now you're, now you're an associate producer. Well, now you're a producer. Well, now you're an executive producer. It's just because it wouldn't have happened without her. Right. And, and the person that owned the brand was named Kevin Butler, and he introduced us. And she was doing some stuff for him at the time trying to help the club get reopened and so she knew everybody you know all the bands remember Anne-Marie she knew everybody that worked at the club wow they're all still friends I mean everybody it's it's like think about that with your jobs how many sure. jobs do you have where it's everybody's still like a family 30 years 30 later 30 years later yeah. I mean look I used to deliver I used to deliver pizza for Pizza Hut everybody's nice we don't all hang out <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. it doesn't, doesn't happen that way yeah. so so that's that speaks to how special that place sure, was, yeah. you know. I mean, so it, growing up loving this place and being dedicated to it, and obviously starting a documentary to it, did you find out anything personally that surprised you, other than maybe some of the relationships that had still stuck together? Is there anything interesting yeah. stuck out? Man, everything was surprising. You know, it's yeah. every every interview was learning new stuff and just wild stuff that went down. What was really the hard part about making a documentary like this is that a lot of people can't really share their memories. They'll tell you when the cameras aren't on, but they're mm-hmm. like, look, man, I got a wife. I got kids. <laughs> I got a job. I yeah. can't, they can't be hearing about this. Right. So my next door neighbor, matter of fact, is an attorney. And she was telling me all these stories. I was like, will you, can I start the camera? She's like, no, you cannot. <laughs> and so we were almost the only person that was really wide open was uh, Shannon from Wrathchild. Okay, Mad. yeah, so, yeah, Shannon. So he's he's great, and Such he just nice he video. just let it. He's like whatever. He just told us everything, and it was wild. And so it was like, man, I wish some more people would talk like that. And it wasn't until about literally one of our last filming days where you'll see it in here. One of the DJs like, can I talk about drugs, man? I want to talk about drugs. Right. And then that just opened the floodgates. Everybody's there, like, oh, let me tell you. So. So we were scared we were going to get to the end of it. It was going to be really watered down. So right at the end of it, everybody's like, "I'll tell you what it was like." And so that was that was a lot of fun to that was a lot of fun to see. As a producer, yeah. you were like, "Thank, thank God. you, <laughs> yes, thank you." This is what I've been waiting yeah, for. I'm telling cow. you. Well, everybody knew it was there, and everybody yeah. knew the story. Yeah. I mean, it was the 1980s. Cocaine was everywhere, yeah. but it's like, but that place was like you know, on a different level in a right. lot of ways, you know? Right, right. So, uh, and again, you would have had a taste of it for, from Shannon, yes. not, not caring what people thought about that. And, it's, and But otherwise, you know, it's a, it's a tricky th- tricky subject for a lot of people to, to yeah. discuss. Yeah, from nearby Martinsburg, by the way. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember the days, early days of Wrathchild. So, yeah. Thank, and that guy is the best, man. Oh. The nicest guy in the world. Yes. When he found out about the kicks thing, he got my cell phone, called me. You imagine Shannon what that's Larkin like. I'm like you. Shannon Larkin's calling me. <laughs> I, I had another moment like that, and again, this is why it was so much fun to work on, right? Because this, it, it's not like I was. It's not like I'm like, oh, whatever. I was like, this is really cool, man. Right. Getting to talk to some of my heroes, but I would have been. I was yeah. hanging out in a Walmart with my wife, and Jeff Labar from Cinderella called me. I'm walking around the store. I'm like, you've got to be shitting me, and so I couldn't even take the call. I'm like, I can't, I gotta wait until I get outside to concentrate on this, right? And he unfortunately just passed. Just passed, yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was—I mean—he was the coolest man. But we've, you know, we've lost several people during the during the course of this. Just the age that we are, and how hard a lot of people went at it. It's right. like we lost several people that are in this film before we got to release it, which is heartbreaking because you you wanted those people to experience the the film too and be there when it came out. And everything yeah, else. That, so. I was going to piggyback a little bit on that thought when you were finding bands and personalities that had been and could sort of attest to what. Hammerjacks was. Um, you, did you find that a good experience? Did you, did you? Was everybody open and warm about wanting to be a part of it, or was it some coaxing you had to do? How did it work? For the most part, the people that didn't want to be in it just either wouldn't respond, or gotcha. you know, there were there were several people that we reached out to multiple times that just never responded to anything, and some people that were like, I don't know, it's like maybe if we come through the East Coast or whatever. But there, you could, you know, yeah. some some people. You can find out pretty quickly who's not going to be involved. But the people that did want to be involved were all super cool, which goes hand in hand. It's like, obviously, if they're, if they're like, yeah, I'll come do an interview for free and hang out and talk about Hammerjacks. It's like, you know, they were all really, really nice people, which was 
also really refreshing to see, right? I mean, sure. I've been around it enough now through the kicks thing and through hammerjacks that I've met a couple a couple people that are like, you know, you're like, hey, look, man, you're not the kind of star anymore that you think you were. Right. Right. I got you. There's I got some. You. There's yeah. some of that. There's some people with attitudes, but for the most part, they're not getting on camera anyway. Yeah. So anybody you see in this thing is awesome. You know. Gotcha. Gotcha. All great people, you know, and just down there, they, like they hang out and talk just like this, just regular dudes, you know. Right. And a lot of them just happy that somebody still gives a damn, you know. I mean, it, there, look, there were a lot of bands that didn't get famous during that time. And they're like, thank God somebody's talking about this and like getting on the soundtrack and stuff. It's just like, hey, this is fantastic. It's great, great for them to relive it too and and be, yeah. you know, memorialized in some way. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because you're you're exactly right. There was a lot of showcased bands at Hammerjacks that never really got over the quote-unquote hump, right. whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, bands that I'm going to tell you, in my experience, you know, we talked about Child's Play. Yeah. Child's Play, you know, sort of brushed that step. But, they, you know, and, and regionally they were huge. Huge, But yeah. it never really quite went national. You Signed know what I mean? contract, but it, it never, never, it's not the kind of thing that they were all over MTV and national right, names right. and all that And you and I both know they were phenomenal. Great and then, band. you know, a band, a band that I don't know that we talk about much on the show but uh, uh, you know Baltimore based Mannequin Mannequin man you know, I love Mannequin Dave Van Landing yeah um, Ham maybe is it Van Landing Ham I can't yeah, remember the, the lead singer he, he was, he was you know, unfortunately he was killed yeah. a few years ago but it, it, do yourself a favor folks go back and, and, and YouTube some of the stuff from Mannequin or even from David um, because he he man they had they had it down, yeah. And they they were a band that was so good it was surprising they didn't get there. You know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, as much as the national, uh, you know, it's fun to talk about the national bands that were at Hammerjacks and how great they were. To me, it also showcased some pretty damn good regional bands for sure. local talent right around Baltimore and Washington D.C., which for was sure. really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yep. Was same thing with Rathchild. You know, they, put, they yes. had a couple records out, and they had some significant tours. But that's not—they're not the kind of name that if you go to California and start talking about Rathchild, people are like I don't know what right. what you're talking right. about. Although they were the, they were right there, man. You know, they were. And they, they, they were. were. They had some really, really great records, some big tours. Some people found them later. You know, yeah. they actually caught on later after the band actually wasn't really even sort of together anymore. But uh, you know, I remember 60 Minutes. Do you remember the 60 Minutes documentary that was done me? about Rathchild? Are you kidding me? I love yeah, that. I, I love that piece. Y- you can find that online, too. And I remember that because at the time, <laughs> I was a drummer, and Shannon had one side of his hair was blonde and one side of his hair was black. And his drum set was the same way. It was black on one side. And I just yeah. thought it was the coolest looking thing I'd ever seen. And you go see them, and it was like an electric show. They just really knew how to perform. And again, so none of those bands where I would say, God, I'm sorry that you guys missed them. They were so yeah. great and super interesting because they start when they started. They sounded a little bit like Kicks, yeah, and they were doing yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. And then they they got into like thrash and yes, stuff later. So they, yes. there was I, a quite a career arc for those guys. You know? I think Shannon had a big hand in that too. Yeah. I'm just going to say that on my personal. Well, he was a big thought. he was a big punk rock guy he too. Was, so it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you know? I think the way he's sort of found his way. You know, we're going to go see uh, Ugly Kid Joe here in a yeah. few weeks, and he was with them for yep. a while. Yep. Um, but he always sort of heavied up the bands that he was in, I thought so. Anyway, yeah. for yeah. another time, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about it. Kicks. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about right. them a whole lot. Um, and on the way over here, I asked Brian, I was like, well, obviously Kicks played at Hammerjacks, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and his response was probably enough to be almost considered the house band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were out of the bands we've talked about. They were the band that played the most, you know. So, and they they could play. They could sell out all over the area. And so it was a great thing for Kicks because they were at the level where they needed a room that big. And it took other people a little while to grow into that size yes, room. Yeah. But Kicks was ready when when the doors opened in Hammerjacks. They were ready to sell it out, you know. So it was like that was an easy thing for for the for the owners of the club to want to have them in there. And it really, I think, opened the door for a lot of a lot of regional bands to get in. It's like, well, if Kicks can do that, you know? And then, first time Child's Play plays, they have a ton of people because they right. built up their following elsewhere, right? So, bands like that open the door because when they first started, Hammerjacks first started, it was all national bands, you know? Because they're like, well, we can make, we don't have to pay local bands to come in here. We just open the door and sell dollar Budweiser's and so we'll make plenty of money. We don't have to give anybody any money. Except for national acts, for bringing in bringing in the business, you know. Sure, I mean, at that, right. that point, and it's not like it stopped, but at that point, Hammerjack's like, we'll just throw up a West T-shirt contest, man. We'll place yeah. to be packed, right? We don't have to pay somebody a hundred bucks. We don't have to pay a band. Right. So 
but then they started seeing after after kicks opened the door for everybody and then rat child child's playing all those bands started like packing the place out it really changed the whole landscape of regional music you know so did it did it feel like hammerjacks took a chance on kicks at all at, at first or was it just a was it I, you know they gave him a, a, a big weekend and said good luck you know i think at that point again i think they weren't a risk you know, yeah. right. they were selling so well everywhere. It's like, well, okay. no brainer. You can put kicks in there and they're going to sell. Gotcha. So it's a little more, it takes a little more faith to, for some of the other bands that they, they would have play bands that are, that are here like Mona Lisa, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know the size of mannequin when they first started playing, but it's, you know, that kind of stuff. There sure. Were some established bands, DC star was established. There's another one. You know? Yep. Yep. But, but for a lot of those guys, that was like the place everybody wanted to move up to, and they and and Hammerjacks wasn't just letting anybody come in. Right. So it, it took a little while for them to warm up to that and realize that they could really do big nights with with local and regional stuff. I gotcha. But Kicks was a big part of it. Yeah, and you know, to me, as we mentioned earlier, Steve, I, you know, it's been announced you were at the M3 Festival yeah. a week or two ago, and it's been announced that that uh, you know Kicks is going to wind things down yeah. after this summer. Yeah. And I remember sort of when I heard that it made me pause for a minute because people of my age your age yep. know how important that band is yeah and they are you know they're they're a, you know I don't know what word I want to look for but they're 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 a they're a treasure to this area and they have been doing it for so long but the thing that gets me Steve is my God, if you go see them right now, they're just as good as it's they've un- ever been. It is unbelievable. It, and that's I think that's why they're wrapping it up. Because because you, Steve Steve Whiteman talks about he's like he says his health's starting to go down a little bit. Everybody knows Jimmy's had some sure, significant yeah. problems recently. And so it's a lot of travel, man. It's a lot it of being is. on the road and it's like, you know, I I'm the only surprise for me is that they weren't just like, hey, we're gonna start playing like just M three or twice a year or something. They're just like, we're done. But I think in a lot of ways, look, man, without having to name names, Don Dockin, there's people that sh- shouldn't be touring anymore, right. okay? So so the thing is, they're, they're hanging it up when everybody's going to remember right. them as being still as great as they've always been. And, you know, that's the thing about them is that I don't know what takes their place because they've been the best band in this area for so long. Right. I mean, we talk about it in the Hammerjacks movie. Every band wanted to be as good as Kicks. Yes. Right? Yeah. Kicks bass player, current bass player Mark. Mark he's like, Schenker, yeah. He's like, everybody wanted to be as good as Kicks. Nobody was as good as Kicks, you know? And nobody could get to that level. And still now, it's like, well, who, who's come up since then that's like, I mean, Clutch is fantastic. Yeah. What, what bands that are regional are like that tight, that much energy on stage? And, you know? and there's not that many. There's the point. Not necessarily musicianship-wise, right. even. The live show and the energy that they brought, and, and and I just said it last week. He knows it. Well, I'll put Whiteman up against anybody, anybody. as far as a frontman, anybody. anybody. Yep. And yet he, I, I saw him just you know recently. I've seen him three times last year. He kills it, Steve. He, I mean, he comes out. His energy is amazing. He knows how to talk to the crowds. He knows how to get him going. And then when he sings. He still got it, and you can't say that about a lot because I'm a big, huge Rush fan. And of course, yeah. we lost Neil a few years ago. Yeah. But Ged had been able to sing like Getty Lee for a long time. We yeah. gave him the benefit of that because it's Getty, of course. And we love Getty, of course. But he couldn't sing like he always still plays. Could. He can still plays yeah. himself, right? But Steve is one of the few people that I really can't even think of another one like him that still has. He very still got few, his voice. Very few. You yeah. know, the singer from Zebra. He's one. Really? Is that yeah, one? Randy okay, Jackson gotcha. can still okay. hit every one of those zebra notes. Can oh, you wow. imagine? That's tough. It, and I think about, you know, Michael Sweet, maybe yeah, from Striper yeah, or something yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. But really, there's not many that can do it, and not Steve many. Whiteman can. And so. you know the thing the thing about kicks, too, man, is that, you know, I've been watching live music my, my whole life. Right. Like, on a regular basis. I've seen a lot, a lot of bands. Right. Like, some, one time in the late 90s, I counted the bands I'd seen. It was 500 then. Right, wow. so wow. it's like I, it's my thing going to live music and sure. kicks. Kicks is one of those like top ten bands that I've ever seen, and one of the reasons is because I've seen them now like twenty times. But man, if they're playing at the Cap Center, it's the exact same show yes. as if you run into them on a Tuesday and there's fifteen people there. They're doing the same thing, man. They're bringing it like it's the last time they ever play. Yep. Every time you see them, yep. it's unbelievable. Yep. I love those guys. We'll miss them. Well, yes, I we think, will. And I think, uh, Steve, to your point about still, you know, going out 
being able to to fully function as a band says yeah. something about the band's legacy. For sure, you're gonna re, you're gonna remember them as you know what you've always remembered them as, not as somebody who's declined extremely. Mm-mm. And the catalog is ridiculous. It and is. It, it might it might be more to, for this area, but when you go see them at M3, there's some bands that you know. It's like people know autograph shows up. People know one, maybe two songs, right? I mean. It's like, you know, some of the bands a little bit more. L.A. Guns, you probably know about five songs, whatever. Faster Pussycat, you know, a couple songs. But, man, when you see Kicks, it's every person there knows every word to every song. Do. It doesn't, And they change the setup all the time. So it's like that, that, again, speaks to not only, I mean, the quality of the songwriting, but just the, their, the fact that they are just so ingrained in the brains of everybody that has grown up listening to music in this area and that are of our generation. Right, right. Yeah. So I got a question that might bring up a little bit of controversy even between you guys, but um, this is about Don Dokken. It is not. I, I, it I is not. <laughs> but what what is the reason that you guys think that Kicks didn't make it as large as a band like Kiss? Mm. Is it because they missed it by five years, ten years, um, timeline wise? Or I, I mean, I know they traveled a lot, right? But what was it that, you know, didn't make them enormous? There's a little bit of that. There's also, without calling individuals out and stuff, there was, there was, uh, there was a little bit, there was a person in the band that was uh, notoriously hard to deal with. Yeah. And, like, every record was a different producer because the producers would walk out yes. and be like, I'm not gotcha. working with you guys anymore. So that certainly, look, man... You know, it's like anything else, like the film business, like any other business. It's like if there are people of relative sort of uh, talent, and they were better than a lot of bands that got bigger than them. Right. But, and like, you know, if you're burning people, it's hard, man. Music business is a lot of yeah. back scratching and stuff, you know. Friendships, bumping elbows type a of thing. A lot of that kind of thing. And I haven't met that person, man, and I've heard a bunch of great stories about that person as well. Right. I, I, so I don't have anything personal to say, but my take from the outside is talking to a lot of people like, it was a difficult band to work with sometimes because of uh, one one person. Gotcha. And the other guys, I mean, you would you'd never know from those guys. Those guys are the nicest people I've ever met. Right. You know that. So that, I think that hurts. Yeah, I think it, it hurts. And my my answer would have been very very similar from what I've understood and read, and I believe it might have been their second release was in Whiteman's mind and in in you know Brian Forsyth's mm, mind. Cool kids. They cool kids yeah. was was hurried. Yeah. Um, and that happened a lot, by the way. I mean, you can go back to a lot of bands that hurried that second, after they had a huge first album, they hurried the second album. And I remember there was some controversy about you know who the producer were, was and how it was released and packaged. And I think that affected them. Um, you well, know, man, you know, the, the thing about that, that really was the record label pushing yeah, the sound yeah, of the band because yeah. they, had, they didn't sound... You know, I thought early on you, you heard a lot of influence of like Cheap Trick and yes. stuff like that. When they got to Cool Kids, man, the first two singles were covers. Right. So, and they right. were such a great, they wrote such great songs to have them come out and do cover songs. Like, what the hell is going on? But, I mean, you talk about Quiet Riot, that their first two hits were, well, two of the first Slade. three were Slade covers. Yeah, right. They're yeah. not even covering, they're covering the same band. Yes. Twice, you know? So, I, you know, I think that maybe the, the template was in place there and they were trying to push kicks in a direction they didn't really fit. And they sounded more like, like a Billy Squire record with nothing, right. nothing wrong with Billy Squire, like Billy Squire, but that's not where Kicks really right. was, right? right? And I, I remember talking to Brian Forsyth about it one time when, right when they got to Uncool Kids, somebody came in the studio and said, "Listen to this man," and played. It was it hadn't been released yet, but it was Def Leppard's Pyromania. Okay, and he's like, "Well, we we can sound like that. We could have done that record, right. you know? Right, and Which they could have. They could. And so imagine imagine how how the universe changes if kicks got to record midnight dynamite before pyromania exactly, came out you know yeah. what i mean it's just the trajectory was different for them. i think it's timing yeah i definitely do and it's and always that always has a lot to do with it and chris it, you know part of what happened with them too just to keep going a little bit longer on it is when they got to the i want to say right when they when they released blow my fuse and then you know they had the ballad that came out um don't close your eyes yeah. that was their sort of moment in the national spotlight, it was played regularly on MTV for a long time, and I think there was a mild clamor for them for a bit. But mm-hmm. you know, gotcha. they 
their heart and soul has always been on the Atlantic coast, and gotcha. I think that's what happened to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they went out on that. They went out with uh, Rat for a little yeah, while. And right. did, some, did some did some big stuff, man. I mean, record sold what a million and a half copies. It, it did. Was, it was not insignificant. They did really well with that. Yeah. And you know, going back to what I was saying, man, it's like again, I'm not trying to. I wasn't there for any of it. That's just some of the stuff I've heard sure. from from people that were around it. But then also. For, for that particular person wrote the majority of the songs too right, right. so it's like you can't you know that was a great a, question though by the way it is great question yeah. I thought about that one for a little bit that was yeah. a great question <laughs> yeah. it really was yeah. yeah well Steve I think we would be remiss uh, before we left not to talk about this building that we're setting in oh thanks man um, there's a lot of folks that don't understand the full impact of the Alamo uh, other than just to come see a movie to, to come get some food or a beer um, it's also very supportive of the local music seen local churches have some of their services here yeah. you guys rent theaters out to that uh you have a film club yeah that's very well attended yeah uh so tell us a little bit about what goes on here um how you guys might support live music i, I know some of our friends from the river's edge was ju- were just yeah, here they to, just, just to came and did their that video, video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah their video premiere that was great yeah you know my sister was around entertainment as well right you know, she was at uh dallas center for the performing arts hello lisa <laughs> yeah, that's right. So she was always very much in that in that direction as well. So it was sort of a natural thing for us all when this opened to sort of support local artists and stuff and support music. We were, we were always around live music, so that is a natural sort of fit for us. But, you know, I think one of the differences for Alamo is that it's the, it's the only brand that allows franchisees. Okay. So where other movie theaters nationally are part of gigantic brands that are right. less less sort of uh, tailored to a local community. Alamo has always been about, every Alamo tries to be about being a, a legitimate part of the community, you know? And I think for us, a big part of that is supporting artists locally and giving people an outlet. Um, it's not that easy if you're a filmmaker to find a place to put put your film on a big screen without having to pay thousands of dollars to rent a screen and we we don't do that and um you know live music live music we've supported too it's it gets tricky sometimes because for people that understand music you know we have a film schedule all day so we got to do load in at like eight in the morning man sound check at 8 30 if we're going to have a show at nine o'clock at night because there's just no time in the day to do the rest of it without dropping a movie we can't afford can't right. afford to do that, especially right. on big music nights like Friday and Saturday night. Sure. We can't do that. So it get, it's hard to do sometimes to, to the level that we'd like to. I mean, we've had some full-on shows like Monolith back in the day. We did that with Heavy Metal Parking Lot, nice. which is awesome. Right when Very we good, yeah. And they sold it out, and it was a great show and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's some, some things about that, too. Sound bleed, you got to watch for it. Absolutely. That, that kind of thing. But, but for us, I mean, it's just all the... My, my family has some different businesses and it's always been part of what we've done our whole lives is just try to be in the community and be, be a part of it and give back to the community and be supportive and you know we're, we're here it's a family business right. and it's uh, I think it's important for people to, to realize that on, on the selfish side it's you know I think people would rather I think people would rather be somewhere where they know the owners and they know that the owners are putting their money back in the community and so forth. Sure, yeah. sure. Folks from around Frederick County know the Narantis family very well. What you just said is so true. You guys have deep roots in the community have always been good about supporting what's going on in this in this town. And so thank you for that. Well, and you know, all we've, all, we've all done stuff too. Played in bands. Yes. I'm working on movies. And so we know how hard it is to be on the other side of that to find outlets for your art. So we're like, hey, We'd like to do that for other people since right. it wasn't available all the time for us. It's it's hard to find a place to play. It's hard to find a place to put your film up. It's hard to find places to do live comedy. I mean, so so for us, it's it's a very natural it's a very natural thing. And you know, local artists have friends and family too. So it's not like it's a right. It's We're, usually when sure. we have people, the closer they are to here the better chance we have of selling a lot of tickets, honestly. Right. right. You know? And what we found out tonight is it's a great venue to have a podcast hey, as well. I appreciate yeah, that, man. So, yeah, yeah, it sure is. So, man, what did we miss? Uh, you know, there's a lot to your story. We could probably even have a part two to this. Yeah, I think we pretty, should. Pretty easily. Uh, is there anything that we missed tonight that you got? You want to get out to the, uh, the, the public here directly? Oh, man. 
we already talked about Don. So <laughs> if, if people want to see the movie, it's, a, it's available. That's so, what we do, yeah. Yep. So uh, the easiest thing is either go to our Facebook page for Hammerjacks the Rockumentary or go to the, you know, if anybody wants to write this down, it's varladogwood.com has all that. the films that I've worked on, and it's got every single way to get a hold of this. So we have Blu-rays, we have DVDs, we have a vinyl soundtrack, um, and you can also stream it. So you can go rent it for five bucks and watch it for a week or, or Very keep it cool. forever for ten bucks online. And don't forget the rest of Steve's, um, you know, films that he's made, too. We talked about Can't Stop the Show, the Kickstarter documentary. Um, You're an award-winning, let's make sure we put that out there, too, award-winning director and producer. I appreciate that, man. And it was a whole list of them. A few of them I wrote down, the Golden Reel International Film Festival. You were a winner. The Loudon Arts Film Festival, the Cutting Room International Film Festival. You've won some serious awards so congratulations on that Thanks, some more of what you've done is just like will the making of please don't make me play piano man which i think is hilarious you got to see it right? just in the title i haven't seen oh, it yeah, yet I'll send it i need over to, to you. see that oh man that thing is funny it and i i can't take look i can't take a bunch of credit for this this the deal is that i directed that and edited but but most of that because it's a it's a mockumentary yeah and most of it was just improv for like a day. So I, I had to pick stuff out. But, man, there was so much funny stuff that didn't make it. And that thing was hilarious to work on. So much fun. The reviews of it were just on and on about. Oh, that's great. Fall down funny. That's how great. How funny it was. So I definitely need to check that out. Just like Will, we mentioned. Yeah. And a mother's will. That's yeah. another one. Um, yeah, it's just extensions. One's the, an extension of the other. Is so that what, right? what okay. that was, and I'll, you can edit it out if you want. Oh, you, no, no, no. make it quick. But the, the thing was that there's a music therapist in Middleburg that runs a place called A Place to Be and reached out to me about doing a story because he, there was a kid that took his own life in that area and he was asked to speak at the funeral and the funeral was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. And so his point was like, this, I don't think this kid knew how much love there was for him. You know, it's, it's such a hard thing to see sometimes. So he wrote a, a whole rock opera to try to encourage kids to reach out if they need help. And the show starred the mother of the kid that took his own life. Oh, my gosh. So it was super emotional. And he's like, will you consider working on him? Like, how, how could you possibly say no to that? Right. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've lost a lot of people sure. to suicide. So I'm like, if, there's, if that helps one person, then it's worth doing. And the nice thing was, to go when I went and saw their live show before we started recording... One kid after another got up and said, I saw the show last year. I was thinking about killing myself before that, and I didn't Dang. do it because of this show. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, what do I need to do? But we made a shorter version of it that was mostly mostly the guy that wrote the show and, and the mother named Ann Charlotte. And then we went back the next year. After that, one got some traction in festivals. We went, went back and extended it with a lot of the cast, a lot of the kids that were involved. Right. And there were people that weren't ready to talk about it yet that the next year were. So it's just a longer version of the same story. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. What a great... I'm, I'm so glad you explained that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate sure, it. Sure. I think we need a part two for, for oh sure. We'll come back here. Yeah. You and I just need Have to hang out for a week. That's We've got it. so many stories. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my we'll, gosh. We'll do this from M3 next year, man. We'll just, we'll just talk through every band. Man. <laughs> We're on board if you can pull it off, Steve. That's for sure. That's for sure, man. Well, I want to definitely thank you for your time here this evening. Um, again, let everybody know how they can find your work. Let's do that. Tell yeah. them how so, to do that. So uh, the easiest thing is Varla, V-A-R-L-A, Dogwood, D-O-G-W-O-O-D.com. Okay. okay. It's got all the films there. And that comes from Varla was uh, a character in uh, Russ Meyer's Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Okay. Dogwood's like state flower sure, Virginia. Sure. Gotcha. Right? So that's what that that's where that comes from. Nice. We came up with that in about thirty seconds. But it's you know but it, it's <laughs> now, we're the best with, now we're stuck with it. Those you know the what best I mean? Ones. We own the domain, so now we're stuck that's with it. it. That's it. That's so cool. Yeah. Good for you, man. Faster well, Pussycat though, man. I know. Faster Pussycat another, Kill Kills it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, but I'm saying that movie, that's a trip. Oh, I need man. to see that. Oh, I haven't seen it. So that's see, a wild see how times. much more you know about things than I do. It's crazy. Well man, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your time, everything. You're just so interesting and as Chris said, man, we got to get you back on for another part, too, if you'll be willing to do it. I appreciate it. Oh, man. my gosh, absolutely. If nobody sues me or kicks my ass for anything i said so far, then we'll, we'll get back together. <laughs> I don't see that happen, man. I do not. Well, man, everybody out there, make sure you go out and come see a movie at Alamo Draft House for crying out loud. Just do that, but also check out what Steve's done because it's great work. And also check out the Hammerjacks 
uh, documentary because rockumentary. I want to make sure I get that and right. Real, because, real quick before we leave, yeah, man. Again, yeah. Again, Anne Marie is like a force of nature, man. And this thing would not have happened without her. And Andrea Kilcup is our director. So I mean, I was an executive producer and I edited. And I did right. soundtrack stuff, but there, you know, it's important for everybody to know this filmmaking at this level is a real team effort. And there were a lot of people involved. I want to make sure I mention a couple I'm of those people. Dale Jackson's another one. John Petrolino. They're all y'all here. So it's important. It's just important. Yeah. And soundtrack. Yeah. Half, half of the soundtrack is from uh, Keith Roth's label, Keith Roth on Hair Nation on Sirius XM. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So that's who put out the record. And so he was cool enough that it's like, hey, what songs do you want, man? You know? Right. I mean, for, for a project of this size... For people to come and say, you can just use our music for free, you don't know how important that is. I, I mean, can't it's even like, imagine. I'm sure. The, the music would be, three songs would be more budget than the entire film if, if we had to pay what oh, usually yeah. you had to pay oh, for yeah. them. So, so to have 20 plus songs on the soundtrack is because of people like Keith Roth, you know. Before I, before I go, I do want to put you on the spot real quick, Steve, if you don't mind. I'm going to tie it into local. I didn't do it. Yeah, you did. I didn't do it. <laughs> Well, to tie it locally a little bit, um, I know that you actually your residence is in Aldi. Yeah. Um, but you get over to Winchester, I'm sure, fairly often. Um, what's your feel or, or, or what's your thoughts on sort of what we've riding this wave of this new explosion of music and music venues around here? Have you have you found groups here that you're interested in that you enjoy? What have, have you have you bumped into that at all? All right, listen, I'm going to have to tell you the the truth. Okay. Right? Is that since I live an hour away from here, yeah. when I get done working here, man, I go home. I gotcha. got a ten-year-old yeah. kid, yeah. so it's like, look, man, it's it's not and that's not anything. That's not a knock on this area. And gotcha. It's I've, I've always loved and supported live music around here, but I'm a little bit out of the loop because I'm you know, I go home. And it's not like uh, not like your boy can have a pint and drive an hour. So, <laughs> so I've, I'm I'm sure I'd love to have people let me know what I should be listening to uh, locally. But it is really cool to see. Some of the stuff happening. Of course, I love Monolith. I love yes. Dixie Filth. Yes. You know? But um, it's really cool to see recently stuff like Circle Jerks. and uh, No, Circle Jerks didn't play. I'm sorry. Black, Black Flag. Flag. Yeah. And now Agent Orange is coming. I mean, it's like, man, where was that when I was a kid? What the hell? Right you know? here in Winchester. That's crazy, man. So it's, it's really encouraging to see. And the stuff that's going on in the backseat. If you would have told me when I was 13, the Quiet Riot was going to play Winchester one time, I would have laughed in your face. It even Black and Blue, who right. just opened the show. I'm like, they're never coming. What are you talking about? Coming to Winchester, right? So, I mean, for that matter, after after the first few years of Kicks, I'm like, Kicks is never playing Winchester again. There's no way. So it's, uh, you know, it's an exciting time around it here is. for that, for sure, man. And the monument, what, the first time I went in the room, what a beautiful room, man. Yes. It reminds me of the old Bayou. I love it. Yeah, with the, the, yeah, the upper and lower two, deck. Yeah, exactly. so, I agree, yep. So, Without me knowing the specifics about a bunch of bands, it's really cool to see new venues popping up that uh, a lot of opportunities for people to play. And national acts starting to come through on a, on a regular basis is cool. I'm going to steer you real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. Because I know your musical taste primarily. Um, two words, Elizabeth Furnace. You've got to go see them. Okay. They're a local product. Okay. They're going to be opened up for Def Legend, which is actually a tribute band at the backseat. I'm guessing that's a Def Leppard tribute. Yeah. Yeah, at, on June the second, Steve, and I'm just going to give you a heads up. It's a Friday night. You and the you band got to go. No, uh, I wish I was. <laughs> Billy Red and the guys, man, Al, all the guys, they're just fantastic people. But right boy, on. as as Chris can attest, man, they they lay down a show and they are it's sharp. All original stuff? Nope, they're actually doing covers. Okay, they they've got some stuff that they work on. It's original, but they primarily do covers. But I'm telling you what, man, they they take it very seriously. They're doing. Um, you know, as I talked about on a podcast not too long ago, you know, things even like Roundabout from Yes, some really technical prog rock. Wow, man. And then they're getting into even things, you know, that you know, we're talking about, like, you know, Def Leppard and, and things like that. They, they do a little bit of everything. Billy is an amazing Led Zeppelin singer. He has mm. a side project for Led Zeppelin. So, I mean, you know, just uh, take it from me. Go check them out. You ever been to see Mark Shanker's Sun Dogs? I have. I saw them at Tally Ho. Can you believe but that, man? It's really cool. It's really, really cool. Yep. It sure has. So, yep. Anyway, yep. we're going off on a Sorry, rush Chris. tangent. You can edit that <laughs> you out. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm just enjoying the conversation. <laughs> you dig Rush, man? Are you a Rush fan? I do like Rush, and I'm liking them more as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, before Brian was my father-in-law, I had no idea who Rush was, so I'm yeah. moving in the right direction at <laughs> least. There you go. I'm there coaching you go. him up. I'm coaching I'm him always up. curious if, if younger people, be if, if it was just important for us because we came up with it or if people still dig it because it's, you know, it's like, a, especially lyrically and so forth, it's not 
like most people are doing anymore. You know? Right, right, exactly. And it's, yeah, it's and it's it's technical music, man. It is, you know, it is, and uh, I think that it's a pass down sort of thing. Um, you know, um, people my age, your age, that kind of thing. We pass down the the love of those sort of bands to our next generation through our kids or whatever. They pick it up. I think. Uh, unfortunately, you're never going to be able to go see Rush again. Yeah. So the only thing we can do now is just sort of teach everybody what it see was the all about. Dogs. That's what you yeah, yeah, there you go, the Billy Sheehan and those guys. That'd but be you great, know, so. and there's something to be said for there's a lot of a lot of more serious metal too that deals with odd time signatures. Yes, hard. I yes. mean, people like Tool and Meshuggah that are like impossible to play. I yeah. can't even play air drums to that mess right. in the car. Right. You know, right. it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, you know, but oh, so, so there's I think there's some of that 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 sort of comes from. Rush and Yes and bands like that about really being great technical players. Well, folks, as you can tell, Steve and I could go on for hours and hours, and we're probably going to do that along the way somewhere. But uh, in the meantime, man, Steve, once again, thank you for joining thank us, you sharing your me. knowledge and your time. We appreciate you so much. Wish you the best on all your projects Thanks, from here man. on out. Make sure you stay in touch with us so we can for sure. let everybody know what's going on, too. For okay? sure. Let's do this again. This is fun. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it was. Chris, man, you're my rock brother. Can't do without you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, excited to be wrapping up, uh, shoot, 46 episodes deep into this and thing. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary of the Musicians Cafe podcast, and we thank all of you for your support. Y'all know where you can find us if you've made it this far, but uh, tell your friends, why don't you? Hit us up on Facebook, uh, the Musicians One Cafe, Musicians, Musicians Cafe. Cafe One there you go. at gmail.com, either way. Yeah, definitely do that. Make, make sure you hit us, uh, hit us up on Facebook and hit that like button if you would, please. Uh, we're going to get out of here real quick, but before we go, i got to get back to that trivia question of the show. And once again, that question was the only recording artist in history to have a number one album in six consecutive decades. Do you got Anybody have a guess? Beatles? No, it actually wasn't. No. How about... Um, I think I saw the is, answer. Is it so a rock, it's a rock It's actually not, no. No, six, it's not rock. And it's not Elvis. It's not Elvis, nope. Sick man, this is a toughie. Can I guess? I, yeah. saw, I saw the uh, initials. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen. No, it's actually not. Good guess. It oh. is BS. But it's, it's BS. <laughs> it's BS. Yeah. It's Barbara BS. Streisand. Is that oh. Barbara Streisand? Yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. Oh my She's, god, my wife is going to be so happy. Yeah, she, this, she grew up with Streisand. Man, she doesn't know anything about rock. Nothing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. Until recently, we got her on some stuff. Man, she likes Greta Van Fleet now. So oh, we yeah, got her on. Yeah, which I now. love Greta Van yeah, Fleet. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's Barbara Streisand. Everybody, there's your answer. So wow. we're going to try to continue to do that. Folks, thanks for taking time to join That's us incredible. once again here on Musicians Cafe. We're so glad you did that. Don't forget, folks, stay out of that left lane, man. Quit lounging in the left lane. It's not out there for <laughs> no you to cruise shit. in. Get in. Get out of that left lane. <laughs> Good Lord. But until we meet again, folks, everybody, peace. Peace.